If you want to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. I'm going to be reading from the NLT, and it reads this way. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. I know we just kind of took a little bit of break, but I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and uh, close our eyes and uh, just take a moment and uh, just reflect, center, get our minds focused on Jesus. And sometimes when we do that, it's really hard to stay focused. So I'm going to ask you just to focus on the invitation of Jesus to come. Now, I know in this, he's talking to his disciples to come and follow him but I think he also asks us to come. So let's just focus on that for a minute or so, and then I will pray for us and we'll hop right into what is a disciple. Throughout scripture, there's your invitation to come. To come and seek your face. <clears throat> to come when we are weary and burdened. Even Jesus has come. The psalmists ask us to come, worship, give thanks. As we gather today, as we hear your invitation to simply be with you. I pray that in our culture that is hurried, that demands productivity, demands success, that we can shed that to simply be with you and then trust you to bear fruit not only in us, but also through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'd like to start with a question. What is one thing that you do that you would like people to do or not to do? What is one thing that you do that you would like people to do or not to do? For instance, and I'm going to ask a few of you to answer, but for me, just to get you kind of a little bit warmed up, if you know me, I like dad jokes. So one of the things that I like people to do is to get into dad jokes. I know they're not funny. The reality of dad jokes is that they are not intended to be funny. Uh, They are actually to kind of stir up a sense of groaning, like, oh, that was so bad. I can't believe you said that. That is the pleasure for me in giving a dad joke. So when people do that, I rejoice. I'm happy. 
That's a silly thing. In a serious way, one of the things that I don't like to do is to see people express the anger that I sometimes feel, which is why I'm glad that I drive alone a lot. But I don't want people to imitate my sense of how I get angry. So you got a kind of idea? So I'm going to ask anybody, just volunteer, uh, something that you like to see people do that you do or not do. Anybody. I know that you, there might be nobody, and that's okay. I can survive. Okay, young gentleman, your name is Aiden. All right. But you can Aiden me and stand up and there you go. Pleasure. All right, go ahead, bro. Okay, read, read more books. All right, that's a good one. I'm a reader. In fact, we, uh, I think it was Dave, right? Is it Dave? Where's Dave? Was Dave that took me upstairs? Did I already get his name wrong? Or he left. He said, you're speaking. I'm out of here. <laughs> Went up to see this Sunday school thing and just looking at the books and I'm thinking, I can't teach here because if I'm trying to teach Sunday school, I'm going to be looking at all the book titles of all the books that I look. So Aiden, that was a good one. Anybody else? Nobody else? All right. You sure? I know someone is dying too and right now you're asking, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or Anybody? All right, we're going to hold on to that one. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about what it means to actually be a disciple. And I want to talk about how disciples are not only followers, but imitators. Not only followers, but imitators. So I define a disciple by three characteristics. It is someone who, one, follows or imitates Jesus. Two, someone who's transformed by Jesus. And number three, someone who is on mission with Jesus. So let's go back to our verses here in Mark chapter 1, in verse 17. And Jesus, speaking to Simon and Andrew, he says this, Come, follow me. Now, when you hear the words, follow me, there's kind of a cultural context to that. I think today, when we think about following, we think about following things like sports teams. See, you kind of know someone by their, for instance, Sherman. Where's Sherman today? Is he hiding too? Oh, there you are. Okay. If I had to ask you what baseball team or even what team Sherman liked, what would be your answer? No, no. (laughs) Who he wants to like. Cubs, right? We all know Cubs. He wears the jacket and all that stuff. It's Cubs. We can identify with him. He follows the Cubs. And dare I say, perhaps even religiously, would you say religiously? Because religion can be a good thing or a bad thing, but you, you're pretty serious about following the Cubs. We know him like that. The kind of following that Jesus is talking about is not that kind of following. How many of you know of BTS? It's kind of a bad question, right, BTS? We have a girl in our church. <clears throat> she has like 80,000, and I mean this literally, 80,000 followers on Instagram for her BTS kind of site. And I think 80,000 people following someone to just like BTS, like, okay, they're good, they can dance, but really, that good? Hmm. I guess I'm born in the 70s and 80s, and I like that kind of music. But, but what Jesus says to his disciples, come and follow me, he's saying something different. You see, because realistically, I would wager that if Sherman's life depended on it and he had to reject the Cubs, literally his life, he would do it. In the same way this girl with BTS 
If her life was on the line, it was threatened, she would reject it. But when Jesus is saying, come and follow me, he's saying something different. He's saying, when you come and follow me, you are going to come and imitate me. Not just follow like you follow a sports team or a band that you like, but to literally uh, live a life of imitation. So when Jesus says to Simon and Andrew, come and follow me, He's saying, come and imitate me. Because in those days, when people followed a rabbi, what they did is they watched everything that the rabbi said and did, and then they would imitate him. So if the rabbi spoke with a southern accent, they would practice speaking with a southern accent because they wanted to be recognized to be known as a part of that rabbi's group, his understudies. If a rabbi ate a certain food or spoke in a certain way or interpreted passages in certain ways, you would know, oh, that guy, they're related to this rabbi so-and-so. So when Jesus says, come and follow me, he's saying, listen, guys, put your old life away I'm going to give you a new life, and I want you to come, and I want you to follow me. I want you to imitate me and do the things that I actually do. The way I walk, the way I eat, the way I talk, and all those things so that people will recognize me when they see you. (coughs) Excuse me. So if you want to turn just one quick second to Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and we're going to see how this works. And this is where Peter and John are before the council. And as they've shared everything about the council, they've begun to share Jesus. It gets down to verse 13, and it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. In other words, you have a bunch of seminary professors. Any seminary professors here? Hopefully not, because that gets a little intimidating. Any uh, Wheaton professors? Anybody from Wheaton? Anybody like Wheaton? <laughs> okay, all right. So, see, you have this, this council, and they're looking at these guys who are fishermen. And they go like, these guys have definitely not had any training whatsoever. But what happens? They also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus by the way they talked by the way they lived, by the things that they did. So when Jesus says, come and follow me, what he's saying is come and imitate me, so much so that when people see you, they go, oh, you've been with Jesus. Definitely you've been with Jesus because that's how Jesus did things. So when Jesus says, come and follow, he's saying, come and imitate. Now let me give you kind of like a contemporary example. Uh, When I lead small groups, Uh, oftentimes, I'm in a small group where people don't like to share and talk. It's kind of like, you know what, you ask a question, just give us the answer so that we can move on and learn from this. Have you ever been in a small group like that? People aren't vulnerable, they just want the answers. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I don't enjoy that. As you can see, I don't even like preaching in the sense of just telling you what to do. I like to interact. So when I'm in a small group and I ask a question, and everyone is silent, I have a habit of doing something like this. I would say, in my own self, I'm going to say, David, 
Crystal has a question that she wants to ask you. Here is the question that Crystal wants to ask you. So that gets her involved as well as David. And so I had been practicing this in one of the small groups that I had. And one day, out of the blue, one of the small group members said, the very things that I do. He asked someone else a question, even though he wanted to ask the question. Because what it did is he had learned how to imitate me. See, discipleship is a life of imitation. We imitate Jesus as people can recognize that Jesus was us and we live like that, then they too begin to imitate us as we imitate Jesus, which is kind of what Paul once said, which was, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Following Jesus is not just walking behind him. It is actually a life of imitation. So when Jesus says to them, imitate me, follow me, for I will make you fisher of men. So what he's saying is, watch how I do all of this and then do the same. Does that make sense? So a disciple is one who follows Jesus. And one who follows Jesus is one who imitates Jesus in his desires, in his thoughts, in his words, and in his actions. Which leads us to a second thing. What does a disciple do? A disciple is someone who is transformed by Jesus. So if you go back to Mark chapter 1, and we read again verse 17, Jesus called out to them and said, Come, follow me, imitate me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Now, translations are tough, and I'm going to be honest with you, this NLT translation is not really a good translation at this point. The original language is where Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. So if you have a New American Standard, if you have an Amplified Version, if you have an English Standard Version, some of the more literal translations, the word is make, and the idea is create. I'm going to make you. I'm going to create you. If you follow me, if you imitate me, I will make you, transform you, change you, equip you, show you how to be fishers of people. You're going to stop fishing for fish, but you're going to fish for people. But someone who is disciple is someone who is transformed, someone who is changed. These two men and the others that are with them will be completely changed. Their life, their living will be changed. It will be going from fishing or fish to ministry, to fishers of men. Now, is there anyone here who's ever made a life career change? You were doing something for years something else happened, and you changed and did something else. Anybody here like that? We have a hand. Okay, uh, your name is? I'm, I'm old. You have to shout. Star. Okay, well, if you could stand and be the star of the moment for a second. Hey, there's two. Wow. Can you tell us, tell me, because maybe everybody else knows, but I don't know, what is this huge life change decision that you made? Okay, you went from something to education. IT, okay. I thought you said IC. I thought that was another church. Um, but yes, so, so you went from information technologies, I'm not that far behind, and uh, went into education. Why? Okay, I didn't hear that, but some... Oh, okay, that's a huge life change. And you went into education. 
All right, there's a change, something transformed in the way you did things. Thank you very much for sharing. Appreciate the vulnerability. Um, we have something in common. I've also had a stroke. So, but I stayed in ministry because I can't do anything else. <laughs> well, that's another story. Um, anyway, focus, focus. Life change. These guys were transformed from one thing to... But it, it wasn't just an external thing. It wasn't like they got a new job or switched careers. That was true. But by being with Jesus, they were going to be transformed internally. Now, where am I getting that from in this passage? One, because Jesus is saying, follow me. And he says, and I'm going to make you. I'm going to create you. I'm going to change you. It's not I'm just giving you a new job description. I'm going to change you. But I want us to go to Mark chapter 3, and I want us to see how Jesus does this. And it's really interesting because I think this is totally throughout Scripture, if you get this. In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, we read that Jesus chooses the 12 apostles. And this is what he does. Afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out to the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him. They were to be with him. Okay, again, a weakness in this translation. They were, Jesus called them to be with them, and then he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Here's what I want you to see. Here is the progression. Here, what we, is, here is what we must understand about being a disciple and how Jesus transforms us. Jesus does not call us to live a good life. Jesus does not call us to live out moral standards. Jesus calls us to be with him first. He says what first? First, follow me. Imitate me. In other words, be with me. Watch me. Observe. What I say and do, I want you to learn to say and do. And when he picks the 12, what he says is, be with me. Be with me. Don't be a human doing. Be a human being. Be with me first. And then we will preach sermons and cast out demons. But you have to be with me first. Have you ever met a new friend and you start hanging around with them and you begin to pick up their habits? Anybody? Am I the only person that's so amorphous? Aiden, I appreciate that. Normie as well. Okay, can you give us an example of your life? You had a new friend and you started to hang out with them and you started to pick up some of their habits. And now you love hiking. Okay, that's, <laughs> all right. that's how the story's got to end, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's very interesting on how you get to be around people. Now, again, you've already heard me use two dad jokes in this message, but I constantly have people sending me dad jokes because that's what I'm known for, right? And so what I'm trying to say is that when you're with someone, they change you, hopefully for the good. We tell our kids, what do we tell our kids? Hang around with good people who will help you be a better person because we know that that will help change 
them to be the good person, to be the better person, to be the fruitful person. We tell them to avoid people that will take away from all of that because they don't want to get into places where they make mistakes that one day they will regret. We understand the power of being with someone. Because here in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is saying, listen guys, you've been following me, you've been, in, you've been imitating me, but I want you to come even closer because I want you to be with me. Be with me. And then we'll do all the rest of the stuff. If you want to turn really quickly with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. This is what Paul writes. He says, for the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, in other words, that veil of unbelief, it's been removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Again, a weak translation. The New American Standard says it better. It's we are transformed. What Paul is saying is that when you see God, when you see him in his glory, when you are with God, when you're just being with him, it changes you. It transforms you. You see, the thing about us when we follow Jesus, we think if I do all these things, and there are practices and rhythms we do that help us be with him, but we think if I do all these things, if I just do and I do more and I do more, then I get to know Jesus, and God says no. Just look. Just be with me, and it will change you. It's not about the performance that we can give. It's about the relationship that Jesus gives. In a sense, if we look at discipleship, discipleship is not a program. And discipleship is not about following principles. Like today, you're learning principles from this message. But if you walk away with principles then the message has been a failure because the desire is that you walk away with a person, that you are with him, that as you reflect on him, as you think about him, it transforms you. It changes you. Does that make sense? So a disciple is someone who imitates Jesus. What did Jesus do? He was with the Father. He spent time with the Father. You know, in in Mark chapter 1, as you read later on in this chapter, Jesus has a fruitful, successful ministry. He heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and everybody's like, wow, this is great. So everybody floods the house, and they're healing, and all kinds of great ministry is happening. They go to sleep at night. Jesus goes off and prays, and as he's praying with the Father, as he's with the Father, the disciples come looking for him. They find him and they go, Jesus, we've got to go back. I mean, this, this is growing. It's fruitful. This is awesome. And what does Jesus say? We must build a mega church. We must grow this church, right? Isn't that what he says? His mega church wasn't even around, so you know I'm fooling you, right? What does he say? He says, you know what? We've got to go somewhere else. And our 21st century mind says, are you kidding me? Things are going great. Could you imagine like today, there's what, maybe 100 of us here? Next week, there's 200, and then there's 400, and then there's 800, and then there's 1,600, and then the elders go, eh, 
let's go somewhere else and do something else. You'd be thinking, why? God is at work here. And Jesus says the key is not about the things we do. It's about what does God want. And so he willingly goes somewhere else because Jesus didn't want the big crowds because what do the big crowds bring? Performance. Jesus wants us to be with him. Now, I'm not saying mega churches are bad because there's a lot of good things they're doing. What I'm saying is when we look to church to do stuff, we are missing the point of the church being together, which is being with Jesus. So go back to Mark chapter 1, and we'll see. Jesus here has already given us that if you're going to be a disciple, you will follow or imitate him. And if you're going to be a disciple, you will be transformed by him. Here's the third thing that he says. You'll be on mission with him. He says, come, follow me, imitate me. I will transform you, change you, equip you, show you how to fish for people. You will be on mission with me. What is the mission of Jesus? It's twofold. It's one, to bring glory to the Father. And then secondly, to bring people to the Father. The mission of Jesus is the story of Jesus, how as creator and sustainer of the world that he lived in, he humbled himself, became like us, dwelt among us. He was with us. He lived among us to live a life in sorrow because he saw all the sin and how it had destroyed things, to die on that cross, to be buried, and to rise again and to ascend into heaven. Why? so that he might glorify the Father, as we see in Philippians 2, and also draw people to the Father. The mission of Jesus is for people to come to know the Father. How do we imitate Jesus? We tell the story. We show people who God is, not only by our words, but our lives. Because our lives are doing what? We are with Jesus. He is changing us. And now being on mission with him, we can tell them the story of God and how God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. That's the mission that he's on. When the church gathers, and I think we talked about this last time, did we not? This is only what? what did we, does anybody remember? This will see if I, if I really matter. Okay, no, it doesn't, right? Because you're going to say, I only matter just because God loves me. But does anyone remember what I said? I do throw those things in there. I'm sorry. It's a distraction, but I just want to... This is halftime. Does anybody remember me saying that? Or did I not say that? Maybe I did. Maybe it was another church. Maybe I go to too many churches and just... (laughs) This is halftime, family. This is halftime. Sunday service is not the mission. Sunday service is not the game that we play. We come here to reflect on the week and say, what has God done or not done? How can we adjust? Because in the next half, we want to get back out there and get into the game and share this great story of how Jesus has come and is the Savior of the world, has saved us from our sins because he loves us. This is just halftime. The game is out there. And I don't mean a game like a a, a sports game, but the real-life game that Jesus wants us to live is out there, sharing his story his mission that would reveal to a dying world that here is God the Father, a God who loves people, a God who has given his son, a God who wants people to come 
and receive life. That's the mission that Jesus is on. And so when the church only hangs out with the church, we miss what the real mission of Jesus is. Because he's calling us what? To imitate him. Philippians 2, if we just, as it says what? Have this mind that was in. Shout it at me. Christ Jesus. Jesus is every answer, right? Being facetious. He is, but he, it's a weird thing. That's the mission that Jesus has for us. Now, here's the thing that I want us to catch. Discipleship, again, is more than a program. It's more than following principles. It's your vocation. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a world that considered vocation was this. Vocation was, if you're going to be clergy, that's a vocation. And if you remember what he talked about last time in Acts chapter 13, I hope it's the right church. <laughs> it's not... We talked about that mission and how that assignment that the Holy Spirit gave to Saul and Barnabas didn't make Saul and Barnabas better. They were just equipped to do what the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. Your vocation is to know Jesus and share Jesus. So you can be an orthopedic doctor like Charles, or you can be a medical administrator, right, like Dave, or you could be a therapist like Irene, and you all have the same vocation. Not one is better than the other because the call of Jesus is not only for the three of you, but for all of us to be with him and then preach and heal. You are all in vocational ministry. There is no one here who is better than anyone. And I'll be honest with you, being in churches, when people look at the lead pastor and go, there's the person that's really doing the ministry of the church, I'll be honest with you, I want to vomit. Because the lead pastor is not the only person in vocational ministry. We all are. Does that make sense? It is all of us who follow Jesus and imitate him. It is all of us when we be with him and are being transformed by him. It is all of us who are called to this vocational ministry to tell people who the Father is and to see people come glorifying him because they have known him, because they have been saved from their sin, and they have found life in Jesus. All of us. Not the special few, but all of us. So let me finish with this. Three quick questions for us as we look at this. In what ways, as you move forward, can you imitate Jesus this week? I just want to give you maybe 10 seconds, just right off the top of your head. What is one way this week you can imitate Jesus? It might be, you know what? I've got to say time out. I'm going to separate myself from everybody, and I'm just going to be with them. Could be that. Could be something else. Next thing. What is one way 
in which you will allow God to transform you this week. Now, you may be struggling something. I tr- I, for instance, I'll, I'll start silly. I struggle with chocolate. There is not a chocolate out there that hasn't called my name. Okay? But it's bad because I am gluttonous. I had four puddings in the last 14 hours before I came here. Okay? I bought them for my kids, and I ate all of them before my kids could see that I bought them. Okay? Do you see a problem there? I know we laugh, but it's sin. It's called gluttony, and I got it, and I got it bad. How does Jesus transform us, change us, make us different? Let him take a look at your life, figure out that one way. How are you going to change me this week, Jesus? And then the last one, what is one thing you can do to further that mission of Jesus that he has placed on your life, on all of our lives? Maybe it is to talk to someone, converse with someone. Maybe it's to care for someone. This week I was walking my dog. I don't like walking dogs in the winter. I wish we had fence so that I could just let the dog go out there, but I have to walk the dog. But it was for the first time in ages, it has actually been a blessing. Walking my dog, meeting my new neighbor. Guy's been there for like about a year and a half. Never really talked to him because you hardly ever see him. And he starts telling me about his relationship with his father and how it's broken. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wow, this is really so cool because I've lived in this neighborhood for almost 29 years and rarely have had these conversations with my neighbors because if you have neighbors like I do, they see you and they run in the house. Hi! Because they don't want to talk. He just starts pouring out his heart. And I'm sitting there recognizing this is the one moment that I can be on mission with Jesus. And I asked, can I pray for your father? He said, yeah, please go ahead. See what I'm saying? Your mission doesn't have to be you're going off to Africa. Your mission is just simply to be with Jesus. And when he brings that moment for you to share the story of Jesus, you share it. And that's what a disciple is. And so I want us to see that discipleship isn't some crazy kind of boot camp thing, even though there's discipline that's involved. It's just that sense of simply being with Jesus letting him transform your life, and then following him out to tell the story of God the Father. Let's pray.